Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Bastards podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how sharks are the only fish that have eyelids. <laughs> My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt Polly, hello, Brad Polly, hey. and together with you, we are the Inglorious Bastards. So, Wikipedia. No, you. I asked you to say a word earlier. You said fishing, and I looked up fishing fun facts. And That's why it was. Yeah. That's why you asked me to say yeah, that. Yeah, I That's needed. Good. I needed some a, a fun fact about fish. Sure found one. Thanks, Google. Uh, announcements. Wait, what'd you Google? Just fun facts about fish? Something like that. Uh, I'll look at my exact exact. No, I don't history. care. I really don't care. Um, That's it God. is fishing fun facts is what I Googled. That, that came up. Um, announcements. Pastors Live, Bloomington. Some of you guys are actually on your way here while you're listening to this episode. Really? Really? Weird. Yo, we're going to release it on Wednesday. People are probably going to be listening yeah, to it on it. Friday. Oh, well, maybe. Well, yeah. So I anyway, you meant, like people are gonna start leaving for for, know, for like, Wednesday. God, were they walking yes. or riding <laughs> a horse? Well, you know, Becky's um, Becky's in Oklahoma geez. with a horse. Oklahoma, da, da, dun, dun, dun. I don't know the words. That's, that's really good. All right, uh, <laughs> Pastors Live, Bloomington, Indiana, um, this Saturday, seven p.m. You must RSVP. Fuck you, <laughs> uh, or don't. Uh, if you're in town uh, before. On Friday night, go see Lucas Allen. Uh, same address. I think we actually are. And me uh, and uh, Becky and Andy. Yeah, they expressed interest. So go go see the uh, petty thieves. See um, the petty thieves. Play Honey it's, Bee or get the fuck out. What is what is what's the party called? Uh, Make America Petty again. Yeah, it's a Tom it's, Petty it's an cover inaugura- It's an inauguration. I mean, if they don't so. play Honey Bee, there's no point. There's no point, Lucas. You hear me? Honeybee. I'll fucking riot. You won't even be there. Yeah, You'll be at not. home in bed because yeah, we have probably. to work the next day. I, oh, God. I know. Well, if, Sorry about your luck. If Brad and I stroll in five minutes before, <laughs> I was going to say. It's because we had to work. Yeah, that's a good... So, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, this round uh, is on the Pastor's Pub. So we're going to talk about what, what we're drinking. Um, this is one of our uh, South Carolina beers from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Westbrook Brewing Company. Uh, it's called One Claw. One Claw. This it has been the best one you've brought. It's from the there. Rye Pale. It's, it's dang good. Yeah. Um, this is the best South Carolina beer you've brought. Yeah. We've it's got, got a crab on it. It does have a crab. It's a nice can. Um, yeah, it's really good. Just a really, really good Pale Ale. It's making me hate being here a little bit less. Do you think that blood. crabs have eyelids? <laughs> Just a Brad, little bit. Brad's a little. Brad's, Brad's having a day. Brad's mad on the internet. <laughs> so if you come <laughs> to the live event, make sure you give him a big old hug. <laughs> Kiss him on the jaw, right on the beard. He'll love it. Kiss him on the jaw. Oh, I want that Jesus. on a t-shirt. Kiss him on the jaw. No, you don't. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want that? So um, <laughs> if, if you'd like to buy a round for the Pastards here, go to patreon.com slash Pastards podcast um, and buy us a round. You also get into the Pastards pub. Mm-hmm. Um, things discussed in the pub this week. The future of world religions. Um, Donald Trump playing the accordion. Freaking awesome. That was pretty fun to watch. Um, comedian Nick Thune going on The Tonight Show with youth pastor jokes. Did you guys watch that video? Yeah, it was pretty good. No, funny. I didn't. I didn't uh, it was good. It was pretty good. It, it hit a little too close. To, I knew I knew youth ministers that I was never that guy, but I knew uh, that who, guy. Who posted that? I did. Uh, I Nick, needed, I'll have to Nick dig it up. I'll have to dig it up. Um, he's also creating a, a television show based on like church culture. Um. Brad must have got a text. He's really angry. Nope, nope. I'm uh, trying to get to my uh, newsfeed piece. Newsfeed piece, and it shuts the goddamn app down every time I click <laughs> on it. Um, we also talked about what what a caramel macchiato is. 
Brad is so mad right now. <laughs> and we also uh, spoke in the pub about how to understand Paul post deconstruction. So understand Paul. Oh, like post deconstruction. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Romans. Stop reading him as a religious moralist. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Listen to him. Read him as a mystic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Changes everything. Yep. Um. Yeah. It does. Man, I feel like we're flying through things right now. We Maybe kind we of should. are. Brad, how are you feeling tonight? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's bring that second Feel- back. <laughs> feeling good, buddy. Oh, really, man. really am. <laughs> Super happy to be here tonight. I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, uh, I'd much rather be here than in bed. Really, it's uh, really in bed. <laughs> I'm sensing your sarcasm. Do you want to be in bed? <laughs> yeah, that was that was the point I was making. Okay. Michael. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh, very astute of you to pick up on it. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> you guys want to play a game? Sure. Uh, I don't really have one. That's great. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you would play one. I, I was I was going to suggest playing the in-bed game. With you know, what? We don't have know, fortune cookies. We can get a hymnal or something. You probably have a hymnal around here. We why would, I why have would a anybody have a hymnal? I have like four here. of them at home. <laughs> you guys don't have hymnals in your house? No. <laughs> Shit, I, have, I seriously have like four of them. Well, I, I totally believe you. <laughs> I love, um, I love that Michael steals hymnals from churches. That's uh, just lovely. I've only stolen one. I think my grandma stole the rest. Um, <laughs> so it's a family of thieves. Yeah. yeah. She's dead, though, so tread lightly. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even know what to say, honest <laughs> to God. I don't either. Like, um, bring up dead grandmas. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't either. Um, you, but, man, you don't have a hymnal. No, no, I don't have a hymnal. All right, so let me just let me just look up. We're not playing this fucking game. No, we're not doing this game. Move on. We're not playing this game. Move on. You're going to be the only one playing this, and let's, I'm going to go. Let's like, just sit on the couch. Let's just do a couple. No, just a couple. <laughs> you knew um, he was going to win this. You just knew, like the the one hundred best the love problem. Teams. He wins. We all fucking lose. <laughs> like that's how this works. We're just going to do a couple of them. So the idea is you you pick a random hymn. And then you just add the word in bed. And that's how... how, how Why is that fun? Because you talk about hymns like, Love Lifted Me. (laughs) In bed. (laughs) 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 He's just going to entertain himself. That's all he's doing right now. Yeah, I know. Um, Revive us again. In bed. (laughs) I'm not laughing at the joke. I'm laughing at you. Oh gosh! Um, let me do another one. Oh, can you please? Um, I'm waiting with bated breath. Oh, worship the king in bed. Wow. Hmm. Huh. Um, yeah, so let's just, just let's just see how far he goes down the blasphemy. Let's say we're just going to just blaspheme. Uh, all I changed my mind. Go, keep going. <laughs> Onward, Christian shoulders. Shoulders, shoulders. I can't. <laughs> Soldiers. Sorry. Um, in bed. Just as I am in bed. <laughs> uh. Sweaty and flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I got it. I started to say you got that one. Um, <laughs> I think we found our hashtag. Um, we got. Oh, uh, 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 let me do one more. Real random. Uh, I love to tell the story in bed. <laughs> that doesn't even make okay, sense. Here, here it is. There is a fountain in bed. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Right. Well, that'll about conclude well, that. All right. And this has been uh, In Bed with Michael. Thank all you for right. playing. I'll be here all week. Oh, I hope so. <laughs>
So I think I realized this week that that is all just bass and drums. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's guitar at all. No, it's just literally him playing the bass and drums. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I'm yeah, pretty I sure it is. Any... It's pretty awesome. It yeah, is. I've listened to it multiple times. I'm pretty sure that's all that's on there. And some killer vokes. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, who wants to go into the news feed first? Go ahead and do your three. <laughs> uh, so a man paid his DMV. With three hundred thousand pennies, dude. Yeah. Okay. No, no. no. Just, you know what? Wait, wait. Fuck ba- this wait. guy. Okay. Yeah. It took work, <laughs> and it okay. took workers over twelve hours to count See? them. <sighs> the Virginia man was sick of the local DMV Eat wasting shit. his time. Uh, Nick Stafford, who's been fighting with the Department of Motor Vehicles in Virginia, decided I know a Nick Stafford decided to pay his two thousand nine hundred eighty-seven dollar tax bill in pennies. It took five wheelbarrows to transport transport the three hundred. I have no use for people that like no. this at all. Uh, all the pennies broke. Because it's these people's fault. They have. Yeah. To, they're the ones. Who yeah. Have they're to the ones. Honest. that All make the, the pennies rules. broke the count counting machine and ultimately had to be counted by hand. Oh man. Um. So he was angry at the DMV for it lists reasons and they're all pathetic. Um. So the total weight of the pennies was one thousand five hundred forty-eight pounds. He's uh. Said Why'd you cut me off? Well, we have a weird buzzing noise we're trying to figure out. Do we? Yeah, it's gone. It's now. gone. I don't yeah. know what right. it was. Um, Stafford hired 11 people to help him break open the rolled coins. So he got all these coins and broke them open by hand. Took four hours for his employees to break <laughs> all the paper rolls with hammers, and he paid each person $10 per hour, bringing the total to 440 He also bought the wheelbarrows, costing another 400 so he spent... Yeah, this guy's an idiot. Yeah. Screw this. He also paid $1,005 to file his three lawsuits, arguing for more DMV numbers and for his employees. Yeah, this is like that. There was a video that went around a couple years ago or something. Some asshole yeah. walking into yeah. like a I fucking... I saw that. What was it? A, I don't even remember. It may have been like a tax office or something. Or to pay like a bunch of fines or something. He yeah. just dumped a shitload. He walks in and just dumps this giant five-gallon yeah. bucket of pennies. And this lady's just sitting... like. Like it's her fault. Like you just ruin people's it's not like their and, fault. Yeah. Like you just ruin somebody's day and they've got to clean that crap up and then they gotta count it. Yep. All because you want to do a vendetta. Fuck you. Yeah. I've no use now, for this shit. This this like, now this guy is like there, there's 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 people, there's bad people, and then there's shitheads like this that Yeah, not cool. No, at all. Like don't don't do that kind of shit. Like this dude has zero chill. Like it, there's no re- there's no there's no excuse for it. Like if you can't handle like being disappointed at the BMV, like what is you, like, yeah, what's your home life? Like, yeah, I mean, seriously, like that you're going to go to that much effort to be so pissed off. You're going to go to that much effort and put up that much money just for like a vendetta. And it's only going to punish people that have nothing to do with it. And it can't fix it. Like it's like yelling at the barista for some Starbucks policy or like, like yelling. No, it's, it's the same assholes <laughs> That yell at the gas station attendants for gas prices. Like, they have anything to do with the gas prices. Yeah. <coughs> Somebody's just mad. And here's the truth. He's not mad. He's mad about something else. Oh, something, sure he is. Something else yeah. going on in this dude's life Absolutely. where he's a giant dick. Yeah. yeah. It's never just about the thing. It's always the thing behind like, the thing. Like, why can't, why can't people just be kind? Like, I just... It's, not, it's seriously it's not really that fucking hard. It's really not difficult. It's not hard at all. No. Because we have we live in a fucking have-it-your-way society where if people want it fucking Burger King style, they're going to get it. They're going to get it exactly how they want it, and they're going to bitch about it until, until, number one, they get heard, or number two, they have it their way. Yeah. 
That's not. I mean, that's, this is the kind of thing that like, news news needs to quit covering this kind of crap. Yeah. Don't even give these people the time of day. Like, on, on on some level though, we are that guy though. We get upset about stupid shit. All of us do. Like, we get upset we, about traffic. We, we get like yeah, not to do. the point where you build right. But up. I try not to ruin somebody else's life because of my frustration either. Yeah, and you're that's, not going you know, to buy wheelbarrows. To, that's part of the reason. Like you know, back in the early days, I was flipping people off on the highways. <laughs> like two Yesterday. weeks ago, like the early days, two weeks ago. No, did I? 2016. I don't think I did. Um, but like I, I've I realized that all behind me now. We've, you know, I try to grow <laughs> in bed. <laughs> nailed it. Fucking nailed it. Man, we got to get a rim shot sound effect. That's... I'll work on it. <laughs> no, you know, fuck you guys. I don't even want to talk now. No. I'm done. I'm not saying anything the rest of the episode. <laughs> no, no, it's math. It's math. I was trying. I was trying to make a good. I'm actually all right now. My point I was going to make. My point I was going to make was that you realize that you can spread negative energy without even knowing somebody. Oh god! Like, oh, yeah. for sure. So like, you flip somebody off on the highway. You cut somebody off on the highway. Yeah. You do this kind of shit at the DMV. You yell at some poor lady. She's going to take that on somebody else. She's yep. going to take it on somebody else. And you have a world full of fucking hate because yeah. of that. There was an episode of Blossom where the aliens, <laughs> the aliens were watching as as I, boy, there's they a, boy, literally there's watched a, anger spread a, throughout the whole a family. There's a sentence you never thought you'd hear uttered on the pastor's podcast. Well, no, it's Michael, so it's always a possibility. There's an like, episode of Blossom. It's pretty damn good. Aliens are watching them. <laughs> so you got that one. Yeah. Okay. Good. God. Um, and and the aliens just kind of observe them as anger spreads for unknown reasons. Just people feel the vibes. It sounds and uh, sounds like riveting television. Yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry. Must see TV. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Okay. It was. Can I do a good story? Do a yeah. quick one. Yeah, go for okay. it. Hey, what do you know? We have Matt's, got, Matt's got another. <clears throat> this I've is got a, three, so it's cool. God, you're not doing it. three stories. I, I, one's quick. Oh quick my gosh. One. Okay. Uh, study reveals. This study comes from Indiana University. Actually. Hi, um Study reveals uh, Earth has one trillion species. Ooh. Only point oh oh one percent are known. See, I cannot but buy it goes, that. It goes, like, but we're talking like microbes, bacteria. bacteria. Like even still, there's like fifteen in Matt's anus <laughs> that we've never, never found. Like, wh- why? <laughs> got to laugh at a Lenny. Lenny got a kick well, out of that one. <laughs> he's the thirteen year old, almost fourteen year old boy, and you said the word anus. So like. And you referred to my anus, so. Lenny's <laughs> oh, just walking by trying to get a glass of water. Talking about his dad's anus. <laughs> Better than talking about your anus. Oh, Ooh, see what I did there? It's a planet. planet. It's funny, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> he's, he's really proud of himself. I just go on. Um, so anyway, it's basically... They catalog species and use universal scaling laws, um, and they've just concluded that only one thousandth of one percent have been identified. Um, I just, I, it, I know it's man. Like, if we haven't identified them, then how do we know they're there? Again, it's all it's math, scientific. Science. Yeah, it's scientific math and speculation and probabilities and that kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, so I just I thought that was just kind of fascinating. The, it's a fairly fairly diverse planet we live on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and we're not just talking animal species. Like I said, they're talking about microbes. I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing. You'll watch a show like uh, Planet Earth or whatever, or 
And they'll have like this entire week on like the oceans. And then you realize that even with all that stuff and all the species they found, they haven't even like touched the ocean. Like five I mean, percent of it. Is yeah. All, is all mean, they really and they'll never explored. cover it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so vast. Like it's yeah. really hard to get your mind around it something is. that big. Like 70% of well, the earth is covered it's, in it's water. It's hard to get until you go and you stand like at Lake Michigan and it looks like yeah. an ocean. You can't see anywhere near the other side. Uh-uh. And that's small. Yeah. When yeah. you're talking like oceans. Lake Michigan is pretty tiny. Well, and, I mean, the Pacific alone, like, yeah, it's literally most of the globe. Yeah. I mean, it covers uh-huh. literally that. I mean, we Beth and I were talking about you know, news, our friends that live in New Zealand and visiting them mm-hmm. at some point. It's a 19 hour flight from LA. Jeez. From LA. It's a 19 hour flight from yeah. LA. Yeah. So it's literally from here, 24, almost 24 hours. Yeah. A full day to get to one place. You needed a DeLorean for that, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. What are you doing, Lenny? <laughs> Lenny's just you forgot, Lenny's your, just, Lenny's you forgot like, your water, Lenny. Lenny's like, I can listen to this if you guys are going to talk about microbes in my dad's anus. <laughs> oh, How are your man. anal microbes, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> He's a uh, fantastic. Yeah. By the way, anyway, so I'm going. Anyway, that's all I got. So, um, I don't even. I don't know. I what don't, you got, Brad? Uh, I don't know. Did you lose it again? No, this guy is kind of my hero. This guy can't stop photoshopping himself into Kendall Jenner's Instagram pics. <laughs> I saw it. Big awesome. fan of this guy. Kirby at Kirby Jenner is the Instagram account. <laughs> and following now. It's pretty fantastic. Like, so he just <laughs> he just takes himself and he photoshops himself <laughs> in. And it's see, I mean, it's like well done. It looks really well done. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> it's one reason his underwear like a festival or something. <laughs> oh boy. So this guy, yeah, big fan of this guy. Um and because I seriously screw these people. Like Oh yeah. I can't I, I just yeah. can't Who's even Who's your favorite Kardashian? I don't have one. Is it Kim? No. It's none of them. I don't like Is any it of Chloe them. with a K? No, it's not <laughs> any of them. Although I remember went to an Indiana Pacers game a few a couple of years ago when Lamar Odom are they, is, he, is he still married to Chloe? No, I don't think so. Anyway, when they were still still married, and every time he touched that. the ball, the entire crowd went Chloe, <laughs> Chloe. I mean, like I bet he loved it. Twenty thousand people. Yeah. It was magical. Yeah, he they could be still be married. I just don't. No, I'm I don't, not up. Don't on the, know, and I don't care. Not up on the Kardashians. Yeah. It's literally they're famous for being for doing nothing. Well, for your sex tape, you know that too. Yeah. They're famous for being famous. Like that's that's all they are at this point. Yeah, I just yeah I can't deal with it. That's why I love this kind of thing. Yeah. Like that trolls. It's just it's yeah. just completely trolling them. Like yep. it's taking these pictures of just vapid people and just making humor out of it, just poking fun at it like it should be. Yeah. Hi Kanye. So, well, it's like have you seen the one? Yeah. Have you seen Hi, the one? Uh, a middle aged lady who basically takes pictures like models. Yes. It's fantastic. It is the same magnificent. Thing. She doesn't put Photoshop yeah. herself in, but she takes these pictures of models like in these really weird poses. Yeah. And she does the same thing and they're hysterical. Yes. His, I don't know where you'd have to, you'd have to dig around for them, but yeah, they're pretty good. There's a lot the of accounts pants. like that where people are starting to just take all these pictures of vapid celebrities and yeah. just like completely parody we're them. totally on board with that the yeah. internet is a really weird place man. yeah it is. it's magical some of the stuff that kind of happens yeah. um anything else you got four uh, or five more no go ahead all right you do your 18 um, different fucking uh, scientists have figured out how to unboil eggs what 
Yeah, they figured out a way to how to unboil an egg. Um, so the heat causes mm. the protein inside the, the egg white to tangle and clump together, solidifying. Um, new r- research published in Kim Biochem. Here's a question. Wait, yeah, question. Oh, I got a question. They Why would you want to reverse do this? the clumping? Uh, process by adding chemicals to a cooked egg. egg. Why, so like, chemicals. Why? Like, what's the? Did somebody, somebody, get a, somebody, somebody get a got a Does this, does this have a, this this have a larger purpose at some point? Like, um, that's going to actually help something. You would know. have to ask uh, Gregory Weesand. Weesaid. Yeah, I'm sure we that's, said. that's probably <laughs> we said. it. Yep. We yep. S- that's it. All of those. We said. Yeah, yeah, we said. We said. That's probably what it is. We said. I think that's it. <laughs> I've never in he my life. He has three S's and we said. I've never in my life seen somebody murder names like you do. It's homeschooling, man. I guess they're trying. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, I learned how to speak in Sorry, in it's been a while school. since I've ripped his ass for being homeschooled. Um, <laughs> he was due up. <laughs> so I guess they're trying to figure out how to untangle the proteins, and that's the I mean, I way. guess that at some point might have some sort of. I mean, is cancer a protein? I well, that's what I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's something they could put into use in that regard at some point. Yeah, I said there's got to be a reason. Like nobody's gonna boil an egg. Go, God damn it! I wish I had boiled yeah, an I egg. Mean, like this had to start somewhere. This had to start with a guy boiling an egg or girl, whoever, or Gregory Weesad or whatever his name. Is. <laughs> and uh, had it had to just it's be him, said. him over boiling an egg. He wanted it soft boiled and he hard boiled it. And went, God damn it! Like. <laughs> There has got to be something I can do about and this. These are yeah. the 10-minute hard-boiled eggs. These are the 20 minutes, it's, 194 degrees Fahrenheit If you're cooking your eggs. eggs for 20 minutes, you're cooking them too long, buddy. Yeah, well, he's just doing that to, <laughs> to prove that he can do it, I guess. Like, it would be like egg cement at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't really know. I don't, I don't like... Would you eat one of the... I guess if you ate one of those, that would... Well, your protein you would inside raw, of you would... So, no, I wouldn't. The protein inside of you would not be good. What? Like if you ate no, that, I'm not going to eat eggs, a raw freaking egg. But okay, I'm not Rocky. But you would never eat the egg after, like if they cooked it and scrambled it. I don't know, maybe I don't know. Next up, they should figure out how to unscramble eggs. <laughs> way more impressive. <laughs> way yeah. way more. Yes, impressive. science. Yeah, bring it if you really want to impress us. Um, <laughs> there's a guy on the internet who counted uh, to a hundred thousand for no reason whatsoever. I do. I don't know. I do love the idea of a guy like. That like the best possible day at the office is that he got an egg to be unhardened. Like he just you know what I mean like he finally gets it. He, he raises his fist in the air, air, pulls down his pants, yes. and just walks through the lab with a giant erection. Like this is the best <laughs> day he could possibly have at work. <laughs> Looks like Tim unboiled that egg finally. <laughs> you got it there, didn't you, Tim or Greg? Or Greg's not wee sad anymore. Maybe it's wee's not sad. <laughs> That was no. at Matt at Polly Matt at Polly Matt. Uh, he's on Twitter. <laughs> um, okay, so there's a guy on Twitter. I already said this, but you weren't paying attention. Who counted to a hundred thousand in one video, um, just for giggles? So you can watch the video of him counting to a hundred thousand. The video is twenty four hours long. I say it's kind of like watching not that Nyan Cat like it, video that goes on for twenty four hours. It's twenty four hours long. It took him forty hours to record. Part of it is it has to be sped up because. They can only do a 24-hour video. Yeah. Mm, it sounds riveting. It sounds like uh, incredible. And you know there's somebody out there that's watched it. And he's already... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the whole thing. Like, Yeah, he's already planning his next uh, mega hit, which is uh, <laughs> either to count to 200,000 or to count backwards from 100,000. 
I whatever. I this is the kind of thing that makes me okay with like an asteroid hitting the planet. Like, <laughs> it, like this is the kind you of you know shit. what Trump hit the button. I buddy. started to say like this is the kind of shit. It's like <laughs> like do you not have a job? Go ahead and, like go ahead and mash that uh, mash that nuke. Yeah, button, seriously, buddy. man. His his uh, don't even tweet warn us. Just mash the button. Like his I don't even want to Mr. Beast on on here. Um, guess how many? <laughs> so this was Saturday morning. So this was two days ago. Um, guess how many people have viewed it? Two million. No, like 60, 70 million. No, 6.5 million oh, okay. views as of Saturday. Once again, go ahead and just mash that nuke button. Yeah, like, I just, whatever. Mash it down. <laughs> mash nukes. If you could aim that at uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> just end it. Like, just, just put, turn me into a shadow, buddy. <laughs> so Joe Mel Penisa um, was cleaning his house the other day. Is this another one? This is another one, yeah. We got time. We have plenty of time. Remember these Calm were short down. ones. Well, oh, it's a short one. Yeah, it's a short one. Well, the the egg one was short, but you guys was it? riffed on it. Yeah, that's what the what whole point. <laughs> it's not just you reading you know stories. What? Let's just not even say a word in this one. Yeah, right, go ahead. Go ahead and read, read it. All right, Joe Joe Meal Mancia. I was cleaning his house in Oregon uh, while hold hold up during a snowstorm on Monday. Stumbled across a uh, a year old winner winning lottery ticket. It was worth one million dollars. It was. You guys are really gonna do this? <laughs> Fuck you guys. Great podcast. Half people, half people just touch their fucking radio and like cranking it up. What happened? Fuck you guys. Um, he uh, cashed it with eight days to spare. Maybe the best troll we've had. It yeah, really actually. is. I'm hey, so you say so a one million dollar ticket, huh? May have to cash that. Do one again. do tell. <laughs> uh, he he had eight days left to to cash it. How freaking lucky is that guy? Eight days left. Yeah. So. If a poly finds that, <laughs> yeah, it would have been a d- the eight days, days later. Before, it's the, it's like, the ninth day. Yeah, absolutely. you have eight days. It's the ninth day. It's yeah. like eleven fifty nine p.m. Yeah, it is. That's like, exactly oh, what fuck. happens. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, little... that's exactly what would have happened. I've got a short one. Just it. This is going to be. This will just be so we can post it on the feed. Uh, have you seen? Did you see the video that came out today of in a uh, nature reserve in Florida? The giant freaking alley yes holy God. No. crossing like huge. walking across this motherfucker it's a dinosaur it looks like a dinosaur like yeah. and i know that sounds Man. obvious because they look really prehistoric this son of a bitch Your i mean it looks it looks well in her biblical views yes <laughs> um no she doesn't believe in prehistory that's true um <laughs> there is no prehistory. there is no prehistory <laughs> thank you but this thing i think they said they they think it's around 12 12 and a half feet but they haven't measured him he won't stand still long enough. 12 or 12 and a half feet that's a big let that shit sink in I, this thing that's, is so that would be look, look at this it has a double chin Sheesh, that's how man. big this yeah. thing is so that's has, like a yeah. freaking so, uh triceratops it is size. that's what it's exactly what it looks so like 12 12 and a feet would be <gasps> from the floor to probably the top of a backboard. yeah pretty much basically I mean, this thing, it's tail. moving so slow, like it walking across, like it can't even hardly walk. It's so huge. So, yeah, we'll, we'll post that video. I thought that was really... Was that Florida? I'm it's assuming. in Florida, yeah. Uh, the land where literally everything wants to kill you. That's Australia. Well, Florida, too. Mm. So, That's because people keep buying boa, like pythons for pets is. and then releasing them. So we'll uh, we'll post that video. That th- it's unbelievable how large that thing is. So It's huge. It's a huge, so huge, huge alligator. Huge alligator. Do you guys know that Arnold Schwarzenegger took over for Donald Trump? I don't and give the a shit. Celebrity Apprentice? Don't give a shit. You know how many seconds of that I watched when that Dorito bastard was 
hosting it, zero. You know how many I'm going to watch now that less Arnold is even less. Get to the get to the chopper. So, yeah, I just, I've seen it. Of course, I did find out that all these musical acts are dropping Trump's inauguration like a yeah fucking crazy. The the Springsteen cover band they backed out. Really? Oh, the oh cover yeah, band? it's career suicide because they said because they said the boss wouldn't do it. So they're yeah. like, they're going to respect it's career them. suicide. That's, Unless you're Toby Keith, and then it'll he'll sell eight billion records the next time he puts Stick one. Stick a on. foot in their ass, <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Did he write what that song? You, what would you do? That's the one he wrote. Um, Freedom isn't free. There's a hefty fucking fee. Does he really say fucking? <laughs> yeah. Have you not ever heard that? Uh, off have you ever movie? seen Team America? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were singing no, Toby Keith. Yeah, see, I was like, yeah. what? he could have easily written that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen to- Toby Keith is like the definition of pandering to an audience. Team like, America is the pinnacle of puppetry. It is. It is. I love Very that good. movie. That's, it's, it's so funny. Yeah, so good. Um, all right, so let's before we go into um, Foofy hmm. Fufi, I feel like we need a little preface. So. Uh, the guy we're having on, his name is Mike Morell. Um, and we're going to talk about him. I want to talk about the divine dance first. Have yeah. you guys, have you guys read this? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you guys, what do you guys think about the divine I dance? I love it. It's, uh, it's the, it's the only book on the Trinity that I've read that isn't just informational. It's transformational. Like, yeah. not a whole lot of Trinity books out there that actually have a go. So this is why it actually might matter for your life. Yeah. I this is one to me it was it's less um less nonfiction theology book and more poetry yeah like it's the way it's it written kind of poetic it's very poetic I mean not it's not poetry but it's very poetic the way it's written yeah it, it draws you into to like the whole mystery like that's really what it does it really yeah. literally draws you into that mystery with the way he talks about it yeah and I think reading it, like I, there were p- parts where I just had to go over it like three, yeah. four, yeah, oh, yeah. five you, times. You can read that book it's, fifty times, and you'll thick. come away something different. Like it's not a huge book in pages, <clears throat> but it's thick. It's dense. Really, yeah. really. It's good. The, I don't, did you mention you wrote, co-wrote with Mark, with Richard Rohr? Uh, no, we did not. We're okay, getting ready yeah. to talk into that. I just wanted to talk about the book a little bit just because yeah. I knew you guys had had read. It's been a while since I read. I know I put it down for like two weeks at one point. About I'll read it through. numerous times in my life. Yeah, <clears throat> it'll, very, it's, very it'll go, I'll go back to it again. Yep. All right. So um, Mike Morell uh, is an optimistic writer and futurist. He's uh, an author with Richard Rohr of the, the Divine Dance. He's a storyteller at... Um, Presence International. He co-founded the Buzz Seminar. He's a founding organizer in the Wild Goose Festival. Um, he's an avid writer, publishing consultant, author, coach, um, curator, book reviewing. Uh, he also is a cur- curator of the bur- book reviewing community at thespeakeasy.info. Um, he's got uh, lives with his two with with his one wife and his, <laughs> and his two daughters. Man, he and is progressive. <laughs> his his one wife and two daughters in North Carolina, and uh, he recently released the book um, "The Divine Dance" with Richard Rohr, uh, "The Trinity and Your Transformation." So here we go. Cannot with, recommend it enough. Yep. Get it. Here we go with uh, Mike Morell. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. 
So you wrote the Divine Dance with Richard Rohr. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about your relationship and the kind of the initial conversations between you guys that led to this book? I'm kind of interested in hearing about that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I got to know Father Richard about I guess ten years ago this fall. I used to be an editor on what was a leading edge online magazine for people that were involved in the post-modernity and Christianity conversation back even before it was branded things like Emergent, etc. Sure. The Ooze.com. Nice. Oh, I remember oh, the Ooze. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time I on the Ooze, too, actually. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I never know who is going to be familiar with the Ooze. It was, you know, a pretty big deal back mm-hmm. in its day. It was kind of like a, you know, pre-social media and even pre-blogging for the first half of its existence uh, type of site where there was, you know, part message board, part article clearinghouse for people that were, you know, asking different kinds of questions about what it meant to be faithful followers of Jesus in this brave new world of Gen X in the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And uh, and I was a, kind of a, a very young man at the time working with my buddy Spencer Burke on the mm-hmm. website, mm-hmm. and we would occasionally put on a learning party, we called them, called Solar Eyes. Uh-huh. I remember so, those. Yeah. So did you ever go? No, we didn't. But let me personally thank you for that, uh, for the ooze, because I know Brad and I were in ministry at that time, kind of the early stages of our youth ministries. And that was a pretty huge influence on both of us as far as the beginnings of our deconstruction and sort of rethinking our faith. So let me, let me just personally thank you since I have you here uh, for that site, because it was really a big deal for us. We really like that site and sort of the stuff that kind of came out of it. Uh, was a was huge for us the yeah. first initial years of our ministry. So yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, the Ooze was a really fun uh, group to work with. You know, the Ooze Next Wave was another one around that same time. There were there were a few, and with Solar Eyes, I personally I haven't 100% checked this out, but I personally credit Spencer Burke with introducing Richard to uh, evangelicals, questioning evangelicals, because. Spencer was into you know Father Richard's work before it was cool. He was, a, uh, he was an enthusiast. Spencer was of uh, Thomas Merton. Uh, sure. He actually has this really cool collection of uh, first edition Thomas Merton books, and you know was a student of contemplative spirituality of Christian mysticism. And so, starting with one of the earliest solarizes, even before my time, I want to say like ninety eight or so. He, you know, brought this guy named Richard Rohr in and it's like, hey, I want to introduce you all to this this voice who comes out of the, the Catholic world and he's really wise. I think you should listen to him. And so Spencer had that relationship with him. And then in Solarize 2007, we had this like amazing Solarize that almost nobody came to out in the Bahamas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, we had two strikes against us. I mean, we had this amazing lineup. It was, you know, Richard Rohr, N.T. Wright, Brennan Manning. Holy crap. Uh, Rita Brock, who uh, did this church history book called Saving Paradise. That's awesome. Uh, it was just a really cool assortment of people. And uh, unfortunately, two things happened that made the attendance less than what we wanted. One was that they just changed the passport requirement that made it to where you needed a passport to travel to the Bahamas, whereas previously you didn't. Oh, man. And so that, that cut people out who weren't planning on getting a passport. And then um, people found that their church boards were not as amenable to them going to a <laughs> uh, event in the Bahamas. Even <laughs> 
cost wasn't really that much different than something that would have been stateside. So that is an aside. Imagine all these amazing people, but relatively fewer attendees than we would have wanted. And we got to get a lot of, uh, I got to get a lot of personal time, at least with, with the different folks, including uh, Father Richard, who was so gracious, kind. Um, you know, we had some great connections there. And then a few years later, I was a part of the uh, the founding team for the Wild Goose Festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Wild Goose, we, he was also a pivotal part of our first several geese before um, he went into semi-retirement from travel. So, so with those connections, and then also, you know, in my other life, I'm with my background in publishing, uh, the stage was set, and um, a friend of a good friend of mine is an acquisitions editor for Whitaker House Publishing Company, and he really wanted to publish some work of Father Richards, and so he approached me uh, about putting something together. I knew that there was this treasure trove of material that had not yet been converted into book form. Uh, these two conferences on the Trinity that happened over a decade ago. One was called The Divine Dance. The other one was called The Shape of God that he did with another favorite contemplative teacher of mine, Cynthia Bourgeau. And uh, Cynthia's material from that conference later became her book, The Holy Trinity and the Law of Three, which is just this brilliant right, right, right. Uh, awesome. synthesis of, of Gurdjieff's teachings, this sort of esoteric teacher from the early 20th century and classical uh, Trinitarian theology. But nothing had yet been done with uh, with Richard's really brilliant material. So I approached him about you know working with that as an inspiration, turning it into a book. Uh, to my delight, he agreed to give it a go, and uh, and the rest is history. So what's I've always wondered what's the process for co-writing a book of this nature? Yeah, well, you know, there's no one process, and even terminology can be a funny thing. Um, you know. I would say the most accurate way of of saying what I did is I was a collaborative writer. If I was maybe a little more anonymous, I might have even been considered to be a ghost writer. But, um, you know, Father Richard was so generous in saying, no, I want you to have attribution um, with this. You you did contribute some meaningful things to the book. Our process was um, I worked originally with transcripts uh, from the conference material. Oh, okay. Uh, and converted that into book form, you know, translating things from a spoken cadence to more of a written cadence, and then doing some supporting research and adding in quotes and subheadings and material. And, you know, occasionally, I mean, he gave me a lot of freedom to write whatever I wanted. And then, you know, he got, of course, to decide if that made the final cut or not. But a lot of it very graciously ended up in there. And then with that, um, he took that material and wrote a bunch of original material that was not in the conferences, brand new material, and sent that back to me. And then I reworked that. So it became a very flowing process, appropriately enough, uh, for a book on the, the flow of the Trinity, <laughs> the dance of paraphrasis. Uh, and uh, it happened mostly over email with a couple of face-to-face meetings. So Cool. That's yeah. awesome. So we have, we have all three read the book and we we really really enjoyed it. Um, I'm honored. You, Goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, what is the what what is the impetus, uh, the driving force behind this book? Well, if you were to tell our listeners who have not read the book, what what is it that compelled you to write it? And I guess um, why is this message so important? Yeah, I'll give you the sort of global my global answer to that question and then a personal answer to that question. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the global answer to that question is we wrote the book because our images of God matter. 
um, of the ways <laughs> in which you know we conceive of God impact how we make all kinds of everyday life decisions. They impact how we relate, how we do relationships, and um, you know just what images we hold of God in our hearts impact so much. And I feel like American civil religion takes on one of two forms of deity. There is either this Zeusian god or what I call the Seussian god, the Dr. Seuss god. <laughs> of, uh, you know. So the, the Zeusian god is, uh, I would say, you know, the god of uh, certain conservative forms of Calvinism and other austere, you know, probably even some hellfire and brimstone Arminians as well. It's this, you know, very harsh god who's, you know, dangling the sinners over an open spit, threatening to demolish them if they do anything, you know, slightly outside the lines. And then the Seussian god would be the sort of name it, claim it, wealth and health gospel, Santa Claus god of, you know, the the deity of wish fulfillment. And what we, we sort of take, you know, dead aim at in the book is... This idea of what if instead of thinking of God first and foremost as all powerful, we looked at God as all vulnerable. And to us, that's the heart of the Trinitarian mystery, the heart of this revelation that is hiding in plain sight in our uh, theology, in our beliefs. And it really comes out to play in some beautiful ways in our mysticism, in our poetry, and these voices that don't often get as much of a hearing in popular Christianity today. Awesome. That kind of goes into our our next question. Um, So you talk about um, the Holy Spirit being at the cusp of a paradigm shift paradigm shift uh, that might be the answer to the foundational problem of Western religion. Um, Instead of God being the eternal uh, threatener, he is the ultimate participant. Um, You also talk about God uh, being the participant in both everything that's good and painful. Could you talk a little bit about um, God being present in everything painful? Mm. Yes. And, you know, it might be a bit above my pay grade. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> okay. Fully into it, but you know, um, I, I will borrow a story from my friend Hugh Hollowell, who here in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, started and still, you know, highly participates in a community with and alongside a population of folks who live outdoors, who don't have homes. And, you know, Hugh often works with folks who are chronically uh, in homeless situations or even just extreme poverty. Maybe they happen to have a roof over their head, but there's still issues going on. And what he tries to do is respect the dignity and personhood of these folks, even if they are quote unquote addicts or if they're struggling with mental health issues, or even if they simply choose not to opt into the system that the rest of us consider to be normal. And a story he likes to tell is that, you know, especially in the early years when they didn't have a lot of funding, sometimes they would get requests of, hey, could you pay my electric bill? We just got into a house, but they're about to turn the power off. And that what he would sometimes say when he looks at his account and there's nothing there is, I can't keep the light on for you, but I'll sit with you in the dark. Oh, oh man. man. Wow. Shit. I'm sorry for cursing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> And, you know, so look up Love Wins Ministries. You can learn more about Hugh. But um, 
I think that that's how I see incarnation uh, in general and, and Trinity in particular is that a relational God is implicated in all of reality, doesn't always have agency in the same way as maybe a Calvinist would think of as, you know, well, God, of course, causes evil as well as good. That's why I say the conversation about causality, a little beyond my pay grade, but my experiences and my, my deepest belief and intuition is that um, that God does indeed come alongside the pain and is fully present. You know, I, I had a very personal experience, and this circles back around to the other um, answer to why this book for me um, since my early 20s, I have struggled with anxiety off and on. Um, sometimes it can be really intense, generalized anxiety. Sometimes it takes the form of acute phobias. And sometimes it's, uh, it seems to be you know, dormant. And there was a season when I had a flying phobia. And that wasn't fun because I flew a decent amount. <laughs> yeah. Still do. Uh, although for you know, a little while, I did have totally avoidant behavior. And there was this this one time when I was getting you know ready and rushing and showering, getting ready for a flight, and feeling kind of iffy about it. And a part of me really longed for the assurance that I might have felt as a child in a more fundamentalist stream of faith that that God was going to protect me physically from harm, no matter what. That if I could just believe that this you know Almighty God was going to Make sure the plane didn't crash or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. My my fears were, um, you know, the things that would play in my, my mind that were in part fueling this anxiety. And I just remember talking to God and saying, you know, well, will you keep me safe? And the answer that I got back was something to the effect of we can't guarantee your physical safety, but we are always present with you in life or death. In any state of being, you know, I am there. And it was this very I, we, Trinitarian fellowship kind of idea that reminded me of John 17, where Jesus prays that uh, the same fellowship of the Godhead that, that he enjoys with, uh, with his Abba, that the, his followers and the community of followers that will follow him will enjoy that same sense of union and inseparability and interpenetration. And it was that real felt sense of God may or may not keep a plane from crashing, but God will be with me on each side of that experience. And it was like this release went off. And I'm not going to say, oh, and then I never had anxiety. <laughs> True. But it did actually give me a lot of fuel to be like, yeah, I can fly. And either way, I'm, I'm going to be okay. But it's in a way that the... Um, the, the therapist and theologian James Fowler talked about uh, in stages of faith of a kind of second naivete that, you know, I moved from my early years in, in various more fundamentalist conservative streams of faith as this naive believer. And then I went through a phase of deconstructing everything and maybe at times even got a little cynical and well, who am I even talking to right now? What, is, what does all of this mean? Yeah. This, this, this all, this all sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop if you've been here. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and what I love about the sort of uh, contemplative spirituality that some contemporary voices like Father Richard, Cynthia Bourgeau, Thomas Keating, uh, you know, Jim Finley, Beatrice Berteau, and others are reviving is this faith that can be genuine, heartfelt, is grounded in contemporary understandings of science and psychology, 
but also maintains this really sweet devotional quality that I feel like I lost for a few years when I was simply immersed in deconstruction. God, that all sounds way too familiar. (laughs) I I think all three of us, and I think a lot of our listeners have experienced that or are experiencing that very thing. Um, Mm. Coming back around to things that seem, um, I don't know what the word is. Not simple is not the right word, but like, like it with was deacons, easier. Just easier. Yeah. feels easy. I don't know. I don't know what, what I'm really trying to say, but we, we totally relate to it, and I think a lot of our listeners do, too. Um, you, you pose in the book, you talk about in the book that God not being an object, but rather the life energy between objects uh, mm-hmm. that we, w- we would call love or spirit. Um, you know, essentially saying what John says, that God is love. Um, yeah. a, a totally inclusive love. And I think for a lot of people, and I would imagine even for some of our listeners, knowing a lot of our listeners fairly personally, um, that that's a hard pill for some people to swallow, I think. How how <laughs> yeah. would, first of all, I guess I would ask why you think that's a hard pill for people to swallow. And second of all, how would a deep understanding of that reality really affect the modern church? Yeah, okay, a softball question. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I think that, the transition from thinking of God as the ultimate object to God as the ground of all subjectivity yes. is a huge leap for some people who are grounded in the idea that whatever God is, God has to be like the biggest, baddest, most vast thing in existence. And what apophatic mysticism says, and I'll unpack that term in a second, what apophatic mysticism says is that God is no thing, that any thingness that we can attribute to God um, is automatically negated because mm-hmm. if there any deity worthy of the name would have to be greater than that and maybe isn't that at all. And I think we see hints of this in scripture where it talks about no one has seen God at any time. God dwells in unapproachable light. And then of course we see the, the reverse of that too in a paradox of you know these stories of, of God meeting with Abraham face to face or obviously Jesus' intimacy with his Abba. And so they, they both kind of play together. And I think that Trinity is a great way of, of encapsulating that, of symbolizing that, that is this play of vastness and intimacy all wrapped into one. And seeing God as the ground of all subjectivity is not a demotion. It's actually, and I think that's why it's a hard pill for some people to swallow. They see it as a demotion. They grow up perhaps believing pop Calvinism's ideas about the sovereignty of God and think that Mm -hmm. that's the biggest God that they can imagine. But to me, the difference between, you know, God is the biggest, baddest thing out there and God is the ground of all subjectivity is the difference between thinking, uh, when we think of the term, say, God is light, you know, some people probably even me at times, maybe think, imagine it's like this great big light bulb or mm-hmm. or even a sun. But if we also think of God as light, as the means by which we see the entire visible spectrum, <laughs> the means by which we can see everything that yeah. is visible, sure. well, that is more subtle, but it's also more vast in a way. Like, it's like, wow, yeah, where, where can I go from your presence? That sounds kind of like a familiar psalm. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's, it, it is a paradigm shift. And I think that it has the capacity to grow us up 
uh, as as people that we we move into what actually a phrase that you know Spencer Burke, the Ooze founder, and Barry Taylor did in their their first book I ever did you know any publicity for, A Heretic's Guide to Eternity, uh, 10, 11 years ago. They called it mystical responsibility. That you know one way to interpret death of God theology, which you know became popular in the late '60s, mm-hmm. is often misunderstood. But is that the idea that that symbolized in the Christ event, God uh, empties God's self, the, the kenosis that the Philippians hymn talks about. Mm-hmm. And an emptying God's self, you know, it empty, God empties God's self from the sort of sci-fi sensateness of a Charlton Heston Old Testament movie <laughs> into something that feels a lot more subtle. And some people even call it weak theology, and certainly process theology gets into some of this. But the idea is that God is turning the other cheek. God is emptying God's self. If you if you transpose First Corinthians thirteen with God is love, that you know God does not think highly of God's self. Uh, God you know sees all, hopes all, believes all things, and that there is this sort of vacating from the stage of obviousness uh, that happens within God in the Jesus turn, arguably. And that creates what some people call secularity or a secular age, but it is no less holy and no less sacred. It's simply a more diffused divinity that allows um, us as followers of this God, as wayfarers, to to grow up. It's like there's this uh, interesting book by a Jewish scholar, uh, Richard Elliott Friedman. In, in hardback, it was called The Disappearance of God. And in paperback, they decided to soft-pedal the title a bit and called it The Hidden Face of God. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Friedman's this brilliant Hebrew biblical scholar, and he tells a story uh, using the canonical order of the Hebrew Bible of a God who starts off very overt and sensate, and then by toward the end of the canon, say in the book of Esther, the name God isn't even mentioned. And says, how did this happen? How did we go from God walking around very anthropocentrically to then God appearing in dreams to then God being interpreted in laws, uh, you know, all the way to, you know, these echoes of prophecies, all the way to, you know, entire books of the Bible not having God in them. And he points to this obscure passage, and I forget where it is. It's, I want to say it's like Deuteronomy or something, and where God says, I will hide my face from them, speaking of Israel. Uh, to see what their fate may be. And there was a way of interpreting that that wasn't punitive, but was simply like a father or a parent saying, you know what, I've been, you know, leading my people in a stage-appropriate way, in this very overt way, but, you know, it's they're, they're time to it's time for them to be empty nesters. It's time for them to get out of the house. And what is going to happen to them? And so I, I see the potential in a, and a Trinitarian spirituality like Father Richard and I are advocating for to be at once warmly devotional, but also very empowering of individuals and faith communities in relationship to say that, you know, divinity is what happens in our own hands together. Hmm. Wow. That, that's so, all. It's been nice having you on, Mike. Uh, <laughs> that, that'll, that'll end the interview. I'm just kidding. Um, Pretty sure he just dropped the mic and walked yeah. out of the room. Uh, so I guess that kind of rolls into, um, you know, in the book, you, you quote John of the Cross's insistence that God refuses to be known, but can only be loved. I remember reading the book, The Cloud of Unknowing years ago, um, 
and not really understanding it, but I understand it more now mm. uh, as I've sort of, I don't know if become more of a mystic myself, whatever that may mean. But, um, you know, I, I think that's really hard for some people to deal with is because I think we're taught in the church that God can be known, that God is intimately personal and that can be uh, known. But then you guys and a lot of mystics step in and say, no, he, God can't be known, only loved. Can you unpack that a little bit? Sure. And I think, you know, part of it, is even the the trickiness around the term no, mm-hmm. because there are you know different Greek words and tenses for for no, and I'm not a, a Greek scholar, so I can't say too much in depth there. But there are there's a kind of no that's like a taxonomy of like, well yes, we're going to uh, pin God to a piece of felt like a butterfly, and we're going to say yeah, there's the antenna of God and there's the wing of God. And I feel like so much systematic theology is attempting to break God down in that way. And it's understandable. It's a natural product of the enlightenment of our approaches to knowledge. It happened with, you know, every form of knowledge in late civilization where we say, hey, we're going to break this down to its constituent parts. And therefore, we're going to understand it and be able to use it. And, you know, it turns out that works really well for building airplanes, and it doesn't necessarily work great when it comes to love. And I think that, you know, John of the Cross is referring to that distinction. If if I were to, you know, speak for myself, I would say that loving is an alternative form of knowing, that it is a form that is sometimes called gnosis, uh, sure. where the you know derogatory term Gnostic comes mm-hmm. from, right. uh, but is also a very biblical word. I mean, John's gospel is full of Gnosis as a positive thing and a way of, of knowledge. And so, yeah, it is a knowledge that, that enters through the heart, that God is, is perhaps not dissectable, but is infinitely lovable. And to me, that's the only way, at the end of the day, it makes sense to approach God. Like God as this sort of abstract intellectual hypothesis, frankly, is full of holes. And I think that's what our atheist friends are are trying to show us, even though sometimes they're a bit reductionistic for my tastes. But, you know, (laughs) it's to say, you know, whatever you can, I mean, they're they're in some ways doing the same work that apophatic mysticism is of saying whatever you can say about God. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. Uh, And, you know, an alternate tack, instead of trying to go to your like 20th apologetics conference is to say, hmm, maybe that's a gift. Maybe, maybe we actually, you know, because if I'm having an experience, I know that I know that I know and, and no one can talk me into it, nor do I have to beat other people on the head with it. I can I can recover the art of testimony, of, of truly testifying to what I see and what I know. And then I'm going to respect your dignity and personhood to do with that as you will. And it, it'll be okay. And I think that sometimes our attempts to know God and to evangelize, to convert others to our understanding of God, really are born out of a kind of anxiety of, man, I don't know if I'm actually right about this. I hope I am. And the more loudly I can speak about this and the more I can get people on my side, hopefully I'll feel some fleeting assurance that this is actually true. Right. Man, that's that's dead on the money. <laughs> Um, the, the, the bit about the anxiety of that, like that, I know I lived that through most of my teenage years and most of, mm-hmm. most of Bible college. I mean, like, and, and saw it in all my friends and still see it in some of my friends from college, like that, yeah. um, it, it's, it's an, it's an anxiety, it's an insecurity. And 
you know, we've talked many times on this podcast how many people are preaching stuff that they don't even believe in anymore. Like they, um, yeah, they they just <laughs> they just don't anymore. They just they can't they can't they've taken it to its logical conclusion and they don't like that conclusion. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what is more, you know, sort of heart sick and a difficult place to be in, a feeling like you have no other option but to keep preaching this message yeah. that you don't even believe anymore but you're like well i don't think i have any other marketable skills so (laughs) (laughs) we can we can testify to that as well actually so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm curious i'm curious what's y'all what are y'all's denominational backgrounds uh mostly just evangelical independent christian church non-denominational evangelical yeah all three of us basically nothing (laughs) (laughs) but but not in an apophatic sense (laughs) (laughs) no no not at all um, there was, I was kind of going back through the book today a little bit, kind of in preparation for this, this interview and looking through some of the things I'd start and highlighted, which there are many, um, there was one particular sentence that sort of stuck out to me the second time around. You said that we are never an object to God. Uh, God cannot but love God's image in us. And it seems, it seems like most people's view of God is sort of in an I, it relationship. Um, God is the I, we are the it. And and God does things to us and for us, or he doesn't, and whichever the case may be, um, right. based on us being an object that he created. And, and that seems problematic for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. not the least of which is that we in turn sort of view God as an object to be manipulated, to be appeased, whatever the case may be, um, yeah. while seeing our own fellow human beings as objects. So how, how can we get beyond that view to sort of what you propose in the book that we are, that we have originated in the divine logos as an imitation of God's relationship to God's self. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that there's, you know, a sort of conceptual framework answer or response to that. And, and then a practical one that I can also offer the, the conceptual one is that, you know, most all Christians believe in the idea of that we're created in the Imago day that we're sure. created in, in the divine image. And for some Christians, unfortunately, they believe that this state of being or event called the fall uh, ruined that beyond repair. And so for them, there is no longer a correspondence between, you know, there's no longer a family resemblance between God and humanity or God and creation. And I think that what uh, we're attempting to show is that Whatever you may or may not believe about the idea of original sin, there is also very much present an original blessing, an original goodness that is stronger than that that sin or whatever it is that we might think has the ability to separate us. And as you know, Father Richard is uh, fond of saying, Franciscans have never had much of a need for atonement theories. <laughs> that for them. <laughs> incarnation is the gospel and that the crucifixion is what happens when the wrath of humanity is poured out on God rather than vice versa. And so incarnation was God saying, in case you didn't get the message the first time, I love you. And material, this material world is a beautiful and true and real emanation of me. And so, you know, you have in scripture and in the mystics, this idea of God as the all in all, and that is very different than the belief that God has to be separated from us because of sin. Um, 
you know, how else could Paul say to a group of uh, unrepentant pagans, approvingly quoting their own poetry, in God you live and move and have your being. Mm -hmm. uh, it requires a certain uh, quiet confidence in the ubiquity of, of God's presence and in the correspondence between God and the human being to be able to say something like that. And, you know, my, my own cheesy monomic devices that you know, perhaps it's not enough to say that we live in the Imago Dei, but to recognize that we live in the Imago Trey, that this, you know, Trinitarian <laughs> view of personhood and fellowship uh, that in theological terms is often known as the social trinity, that if that's real, then we are wired for community. The basic building blocks of reality are about mutuality and subject intersubjectivity of friendship. And I personally think that's a vision of God and Godhead revealed in scripture. I think it's something that has become repopularized in, in pop culture through my friend Paul Young's novel, The Shack, that, you know, say what you will about it one way or another, you know, it's got a lot of controversy for theological reasons, but as a story of the unfolding of the regard that, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit have for God's self, it's this beautifully subversive portrait of, uh, of what it can look like if we soften our hearts. Now, how does that get, get feet on the ground is a question. And one of the things that we did in the book, as, as you probably noticed, is we have these exercises uh, in the back of the book. Mm -hmm. And some of them are these really profound exercises you can do on your own, but others of them are ones that are meant to be done within groups. Because for us, it's only appropriate that a Trinitarian spirituality would be a communal spirituality. Absolutely. Uh, and so there are a few exercises that feel on one level like playful games, and they are. But on another level, it's about peeling back layers of vulnerability, daring to be present to myself in my own body and then to be present to other people. And so, you know, both in the book itself as well as in this bonus chapter of the book that I make available on my blog, we have I have these exercises that um, people can try in groups where they can experience this uh, connection themselves. And that's something that I've personally uh, facilitated for the last several years. I've been a part of this uh, global community doing what's called authentic relating games. And it's uh, really amazing what can happen when people choose to create a container of relative safety and daring and then uh, let themselves be seen and name what they see in others. Awesome. Um, so we have a, a group of people that support us um, via uh, Patreon and different different means. Um, and I, some of, several of them have read your book. Um, and so uh, we posted them, like, do you guys have any questions? Um, so we've got a couple questions um, from what we call the Pastor's Pub. Um, <laughs> right on. And uh, the first one is from uh, Tyler Berkeley. He says, um, uh, in the book, it says, I do not believe there is any wrath in God whatsoever. It's theologically impossible when God is Trinity. And his question is, the message um, of the exiled prophets is full of God's love, heartbreak, anger, forgiveness, hope. The spectrum of emotions uh, experienced by a relational God, by the relational God of Israel. Um, how does the rejection of wrath in God take seriously the prophet's message. Is God free to be wrathful? Hmm. Yeah, great question. And, you know, I, I will say that, you know, in all of my working on this book, 
I deferred to to Richard and his preferred modes of expression. I, if that were solely a Mike Morell book, which it's not by any stretch, I would <laughs> a little differently. Um, you know, I, I personally um, appreciate, say, how George MacDonald uh, approaches the idea of the wrath of God in his uh, famous, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the sermon. I think it's, a, it's just called On Divine Judgment or something like that, one of his unspoken sermons. He says, you know, never let it be said that, um, that pardon is only mercy and that wrath is only justice, that there are ways in which the wrath of God is loving and pardon is just. And he hmm. broke down the, the metaphor of fire and said that, um, you know, fire in our minds in these days, and he was writing in 19th century Scotland where there's, you know, all this Calvinism going on. We think of it solely as punitive, but biblically, uh, fire often has a refining quality. It's a mm -hmm. purifying quality. That's something you do to precious metal that you want to shine. And so for him, you know, wrath had a very different meaning. I can't speculate exactly how Father Richard would answer this question. And so I'd say, you know, definitely talk to him if you're able. To get <laughs> We're going to try. Awesome. Okay, okay, good. Uh, if, if I were to hazard a guess, I would say that, you know, his pastoral heart might not be all that different than what I just described with George MacDonald, mm -hmm. but he realizes that words tend to mean things in people's minds and that what most people mean by wrath is theologically impossible. If God is love and if God is love in such a way as revealed in Trinity, where, you know, there is this regard, there's this, you know, belief for the genuine good of all creation going on that how could that God be schizophrenic even for a moment and backhand someone and then say, hey, but just kidding. And frankly, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes when I read Hosea, for instance, I'm like, yeah, yeah God seems a little uh, bit like, an, uh, like this sort of abusive uh, partner, uh, frankly. You know, like there's these moments of, yeah, I'm going to, you know, backhand you and torment you. Oh, but I'm going to love you and please come back here. And I know that in his general hermeneutic, uh, Father Richard, like many contemporary interpreters of the Bible, would say, hey, you know, Scripture is fully divine and inspired, yes, but it's also fully human. And it says as much about our perceptions of God as it says about God's own disclosure in, in Revelation. And that part of the job of the interpretive community is to discern what is, um, you know, the gold standard of the revelation of God's character, and what are the projections that we place upon God, and that God is gracious enough to say, yeah, go ahead, you know, bring it on, and it's all going <laughs> to be between these sewn pages of a book eventually. But, uh, you know, that we have the, the freedom and even the responsibility to discern that. And, you know, for me, Jesus is an excellent hermeneutic of, you know, if Jesus is truly the the visible image of the invisible God, then, you know, can I imagine uh, Jesus backhanding, you know, maybe driving out some money changers, sure, but uh, yeah. <laughs> there's just, just some imagery, even within the prophets, that I have to ask, you know, is that uh, a, a projection given the uh, the times in which this these you know revelations were received these impressions were communicated or is this something that uh, is in the eternal heart of God well that's a great well, answer a great... <laughs> my favorite part of the Bible is when God says JK 
Just kidding. <laughs> Psych, I actually don't care about your sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know that Deuteronomist over there was really obsessed with them. But what's up with that guy? <laughs> that may be the first time we've said the word Deuteronomist on the podcast. That's a great word. Uh. Okay, uh, this is another question. It kind of goes along with one of our questions, but uh, from uh, another one of our listeners, Eric Riddle. He says, he's always curious how outspoken progressive Christians interact with more evangelical types. He said, where do you find unity with other Christians who disagree with this view of God? Um, You know, I kind of piggyback that on a question I had would be, you know, our audience is overwhelmingly progressive, and... Given the recent election results, uh, yeah, are grieving uh, what seems like a very dark coming age for our country. So, like, how can this view of the Trinity shape us as we sort of try and navigate this new landscape? Yeah, such a good question. Because if if Trinity is a revelation of relationality, vulnerability, mutuality, then it would really suck if we just acted like assholes with it and you know right. threaten people with our our kinder gentler version of uh, hell or exclusion <laughs> right um, <laughs> yeah um well to answer that question I'll, I'll tell you a personal story um you know one of my closest friends growing up and someone who we were both the best man in each other's uh, weddings is a well-known evangelical campus uh, worship leader so he's a you know recording artist. He does worship leading, and you know we're still friends, and we have our rough patches, and we have our our closer times. And I sent him an advanced copy of the book because I was curious as to what he you know would think about it. And I feel like for a lot of people, if they don't come with a preset ideological axe to grind because someone told them to, <coughs> Gospel Coalition. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that Richard's work is very disarming, uh, because even if you don't agree with everything being said, the way in which it's being said is, um, is, is very vulnerable. It's not like this sort of, you know, shaking a fist or a condescension, at least I don't think so. Right. And, uh, so I asked my friend, you know, what he thought about the book. He read it pretty quickly to my surprise. And, uh, and he said, well, you know, I did have quibbles about, X, Y, and Z, and you know, I think one of them was the the question about God's wrath, and maybe there was another part about what I was saying about Scripture. I think the way that, that Richard puts it is sometimes Scripture takes two steps forward and one step backward. That's not something that you know goes down like a spoonful of sugar for a, you know evangelical. <laughs> but um, he also said that there was a lot that he found edifying and and uh, perfectly orthodox, and that uh, it encouraged him and challenged him to. Relate to his wife and kids uh, in a different way to have more regard and uh, and really sort of seeing that the idea of divine image not just as an individual atomized reality but something that is shared and born in community and so you know going back to these uh, exercises in the back of the book and the things that I facilitate sometimes I try to facilitate these in a variety of different places and I don't always even know what the political objectives are I'm working with. I find that when people are making eye contact with each other or when they're, you know, speaking with another, that 
it's uh you know it's not a magic cure-all and i'm not saying it replaces the uh, systemic work that needs to be done or the activism that needs to happen i think think that creating intent to receive shared humanity can go a long way towards uh, at least creating a heart bridge with people that you might otherwise cuss out uh, in the comment section somewhere. <laughs> Sorry about that. We lost you for a second. Um, so what I was asking uh, before we got disconnected, um, we've got a few questions um, about uh, like off topic from the book. But before we go into those, I wanted to talk a little bit about you mentioned earlier about a divine dance bonus chapter. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of that? Absolutely. Anyone can get this uh, bonus chapter and it, it can be read on a on Nook, any kind of e-reader device, by going to my blog, mikemorell.org forward slash bonus chapter. Awesome. I actually have it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I do have it already. I saw that. I was like, yep, I'll take a bonus chapter. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. <laughs> um, so you're uh, one of the founders of the Wild Goose Festival. Can you talk a little bit about that festival and how it came about? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Wild Goose came into being because there were a group of us for years who uh, were inspired by a similar festival in the UK called Greenbelt that's been going on, gosh, now for over 40 years. And Greenbelt is this this amazing uh, event that's four days of camping, of music, talks that brings together creative types and people who didn't fit within dream and it was this kind of enclave for folks on the edges of christendom to come and make something beautiful out of the rubble and you know there were a group of us some of whom went as attendees like myself back in the day others who were frequent speakers or brian mclaren who said wouldn't it be great if we had something like green belt in the u.s because we really don't you know, the closest things we have are events like Cornerstone um, that are more, <laughs> first of all, almost entirely music focused. Right. Second of yeah. all, you know, very pretty conservative overall in their ideology and theology. And, and wouldn't it be nice to have a safe place for, you know, all the other misfits to get together? <clears throat> and so it was in the talk stage for, I want to say, like a solid decade uh, until maybe, gosh, what year is the so six years ago, I guess seven years ago, really, um, the the board uh, that was there hired my good friend Gareth Higgins, who was a Northern Irish peace activist, uh, author, film critic, who had moved to the States. And then Gareth hired me and two other people, and we rolled up our sleeves and, and got to work at creating a justice, arts, and spirituality festival that, that would serve um, you know people on the margins and the rest is history you know none of us uh, are on staff anymore <laughs> at the festival <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of founding nonprofits and startups that uh, are turbulent and beautiful and messy and the goose is no exception but uh, I really like the, the folks who are in leadership now I've never missed a festival yet I, I'm usually I'm, I, I participate more now as a speaker and facilitator than I ever did when I was on staff so it's awesome. uh, 
So it's really cool to see where it's been going. And yeah, the next one will be happening in July. Anyone can go to wildgoosefestival.org and find out all about that. Awesome. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your work with uh, Presence International and uh, the Speakeasy? Yes. Somebody's read my bio. My yes. yes. <laughs> Michael's up on the latest, uh, the, the latest info on everybody we interview. So <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Presence.tv uh, is this really awesome ministry that I've worked with for 10 years now. And what Presence does is they have thoroughly reimagined eschatology. So they, in a very uh, biblically faithful way that would make a fundamentalist blush, they have gone in <laughs> and said, you know, these uh, scriptures that we often interpret as referring to this catastrophic futuristic event that is bad news for just about everyone but the elect is actually a story of a first century transition from one way of thinking about and relating to God into another way that was far more ubiquitous and universal in scope. And so it has a lot of the same starting points as the, the eschatological school known as preterism mm -hmm. that would say that, um, you know, that these prophetic texts were intelligible to people in their own day, that the, the prophetic language is uh, symbolic language that speaks to the spiritual meaning of temporal events that are on the event horizon, these like big traumatic things that can only be expressed in prophetic language or apocalyptic language. And where its presence is different than preterism is it really adds a healthy so what factor. It says, okay, so if this were true, if, um, for instance, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70, signaled not the physical cessation of planet Earth, but rather, as it was intended, the end of the world as they knew it, the end of this one covenantal way of, of imagining and relating to God and this birth of a new covenant, heavens and earth. Well, what impact would that have on our our ethics, our way of being, who, you know, do we still have religion even in the sense of who is in and who is out? Or is this busted wide open if we actually believe that 1 Corinthians 15 is fulfilled where God is all in all? And so presence does, uh, has a teaching dimension to its work. It has, you know, sometimes a humanitarian dimension of, of giving to, you know, certain ministries and on the ground nonprofits. And in recent years, uh, we've really engaged with integral theory and spiral dynamics. I don't know if y'all are familiar with, with those. Uh, yes, yes, yes awesome. very much so, yeah. Cool. Well, so, you know, actually, you should have Doug King on a future episode, the president of Presence, because Doug does this amazing job looking at how we can read Genesis to Revelation through a developmental lens like spiral dynamics and how it can really enlighten us in the ways in which we, you know, read and interpret scripture. So that's a duly that's a noted. Point. We've noted that and we will make that happen. <laughs> writing, it <down. laughs> yeah, writing it down as we speak. So thank you awesome. for that. And, you know, I, I, this is the marketer in me, but if you go to presence.tv forward slash, I think, free dash downloads, you could actually download a seven part video series of Doug teaching on spiral dynamics and the biblical narrative. And uh, this is a, a telling that Don Beck, who's one of the, the formulators oh, yeah. and popularizers of spiral dynamics, mm -hmm. personally approves and says, yes, this is great. Um, people should if there are people of faith who are in the spiral dynamics, they should listen to this. That's so. awesome. We have we have been circling spiral dynamics for quite some time, but it's like we 
aren't knowledgeable enough to do like a full podcast on it ourselves. So that's that's really awesome. <laughs> I'm completely fascinated by uh, Spiral Dynamics. So that's awesome. Very cool. Um, okay, so uh, real quickly, where can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. They can find me online at mikemorell.org. And you were also mentioning uh, Speakeasy briefly. I'll just say one oh, word yeah, about yeah. that. Talk about that. Yeah, if you go to thespeakeasy.info, um, it's basically a network for bloggers, podcasters, and book reviewers, hint, hint, to uh, get <laughs> access to really awesome books. And uh, in the case of podcasters, the authors behind them, nine times out of ten. In other words, we make really interesting, subversive, spiritual reading available for free to reviewers. And... Um, yeah, we just connect awesome writers with awesome readers and reviewers. So it could be a steady stream of uh, fascinating guests for your show if you were interested. Awesome. Also, and you also serve drinks made with bathtub gin, I'm assuming. Is that uh... – Well, only if you know the secret knot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So uh, MikeMorell.org, is that right? Uh-huh, MikeMorell.org, because dot, uh, .com and .net are taken by a Republican state congressman and a insurance, State Farm Insurance agent. That is, that is not you. Yeah, it's me, so make sure it's the Mike Morell with the .org at the end. You'd be really confused if you go to the other two, I can assure you. Yeah, yeah, it's just sort of like, uh, yeah, they're, they're surprisingly plentiful Mike Morells in existence. <laughs> That's awesome. And you, uh, if you go to your, your website, there's also links to your Facebook and Twitter and all that, that yep. awesome stuff. Very cool. People can get social with me. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. In a Trinitarian kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks, Mike. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all. I really uh, enjoyed chatting with you today. And we're back. Hey. Hey. Hey, everybody. That was a wonderful interview. That was wonderful. He was a very pleasant man. Yes. Um, Yeah, I'm totally lost for for where we're at. So we're going to go into... um, It's feedback, isn't it? Into the feedback. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think we're we're going into feedback. By the way, I listened to the last episode today, the past one. Yeah. When you do the thing, it literally, it physically pissed me off. It is, it's god-awful. You're welcome. No, no, I'm saying thank you. See, at at Inglorious Pastors, we try to uh, meet every sensory need. (laughs) Try to have you feel every emotion. We want you to have all the feels. Uh uh, Do we have any five-star reviews? No, we didn't, actually. Dang it, people. Way to go, guys. Way to step up. Don't make me give you a speech. Give us five-star reviews. It helps us with the things and getting popular on iTunes, apparently. We want to be popular. People we, see none us. None of us were popular in high school, so we want to be yes. popular now. Decades of not uh, being popular. One of the worst songs of the 90s. I'm popular. By Not a Surf. Do you remember that song? No, I don't. freaking garbage. I remember Not a Surf, but I don't know God, that song. God, it was terrible. I don't know. Is that the song I'm singing? Yeah, oh, okay. it is. I'm shocked that Michael knows it. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah, so uh, give us a five-star review. Write some words. Uh, we'll it read is it. only Monday, though. So. We'll read it. I mean, we are recording earlier. There's yeah, a, a shorter early. window of when you can write nice things about us. But still. <laughs> Step up your game. Get, we're, your, get we're not, your shit together, listeners. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. <laughs> and if you're in the pub and you haven't left a five-star review, you have, what the fuck are you waiting What is on? wrong with what you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> what gives you the right? <laughs> 
the uh, the sisters uh, used that on. Yeah, Brad's they wife. did. <laughs> Brad's wife was on yeah. uh, the Twisted Sisters this past week. So uh, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to to Brad Brad's wife getting my Mandy. questions. She does have a name. <laughs> oh, she does. She does. Oh, yeah, Mandy at Mandy Polly. Brad's you can wife. add her. Brad's <laughs> lovely wife. I generally try to avoid calling her <laughs> the wife or. You know the ball and chain. Well, you're you're Mandy's like husband, that. so. <laughs> um. So uh, we've got some some Twitter feedback. Uh, Stephen, is that feedback? Is that what that's supposed to be? Because it sounds like you're crumbling. That's just me being obnoxious. Well, it's Stephen. Rutan. Where do you go with that? <laughs> I love. Here's what. Here's what's hilarious. Like, once again. Homeschool. We have no. I would like, love you guys to try and fumble your fumble, here's, fumble here's your way what, through this shit. No, it's more fun to watch you do. <laughs> like nobody like named John Smith ever comments. No, it's always or like Steve Stephen Rutan. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> I love your name, but guess what? It's hard to say. Um, at Indomitable Stoic, I uh, said thanks, guys, for the follow. I really enjoy the hell out of the show. Especially the one with Hilary McBride, yes. OMG. Thank you. So, yep. She is going to be on the podcast again relatively yep. soon. February. February. Yep. Um, anytime somebody says... That's spelled it in homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I like when we're doing homeschooling jokes again. Oh my gosh. I need the best. I was I even, the majority of like my education was not in homeschooling. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was a very I, small <laughs> window of homeschooling. I exist, I exist solely to eat through you for being homeschooled. I don't so care. We, the three of us just solely exist to eat through each other. And we just not realize that at yeah, this that's point. True. This is like episode 49. Like we just eat through each other into a movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bonnie at Mishgal, that's easy one, M-I-S-H-G-A-L, Mishgal on Twitter wrote, just listen to the J.M. Casey episode, I'm the Muncie co-worker, also fired. I know her. Oh, uh, hey. Same page on the church, we'll continue listening. Welcome, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, I met, I met her, she's really nice. I wonder if she lies over the ocean. Does she oh, lie over the Jesus sea? Jesus Christ. What? Wait, what? Yeah, my Bonnie lies over the ocean, my Bonnie, li- you ever heard that? It's like a... Irish folks. How have you never heard "My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean"? Because I listen to good music. That's that's like a that's like a riddle. You know, that's like a if I have kid a daughter, song. I'm gonna name her Bonnie. What? Bonnie what? Polly. No, it's Stan from Eminem. The song Stan. I don't. It's been lost. You know, daughter, you know, he didn't actually Bonnie. Yeah, you never heard. It? It's been. I know Stan. It's just been a while. He actually had a daughter. Her name was not Bonnie. Okay. Sure. We should probably All move right. on. Uh, probably should edit that part out. We just edit that <laughs> out. That was. This is some really terrible radio. Um, we're on the radio. <laughs> is this FM? Ish. We're we're on the. I don't know what we're on. We're on terrible podcasting. All right. Traffic, uh, traffic on the sixes. Marital Fargo, at Mac Fargo. I'm, I said that perfectly well, That's so good, screw buddy. you guys. Congratulations. Um, said, at Pastor's Podcast, went on a long trip and binge listened to you guys. Thanks for the distraction and the thought-provoking <laughs> moments. <laughs> we, that's pretty much all we're going for is a distraction. Yeah. We will distract you. I can look at endless hours of desert sand or I can listen to these three assholes. I'll listen to these three assholes. I'm going to do this next one. I wasn't going to do it, and then I was going to do it, and then I wasn't going to do it. I'm going to do it. Don't. Phil... 
at PJ the Nerd wrote, "Why has Apple labor labeled you as explicit?" <laughs> well, just listen to one episode, you'll get a pretty good. This idea. is the fucking reason <laughs> Apple labeled us. Actually, we fucking did it ourselves. Yeah, Apple doesn't label what we do. Yeah, um, it's because we curse. We say potty words. We do say yeah, potty we words. Do say a lot of potty words. Yeah. We're sorry, Phil. I feel like that's sort of self-explanatory, but whatever. Yeah, people people continue to ask us, and I'm going to continue to read that question on Twitter, and I'm going to tag them, saying that they, we mentioned them, and they're going to listen to it, and then they're going to hear the curse words, and then they're going to know. <laughs> way, way to be a, way to be an adult about it. That's it's called marketing. Welcome, no, Bill. it's called being an immature. Good news is that next year Michael will turn 19. Yeah, seriously. Uh, welcome, welcome, Phil. Phil, we have nothing against you. Please continue to listen. Michael does. We don't. we double dog dare you. Um, at Kellen M. Deem wrote, uh, just listened to my first podcast and told the J.M. Casey, I want all three of you, I want to be all three of your friends and buy around. Yeah, buy away. We're on board with that. I said, please send beer. He might actually come to a live event, so we'll see. Oh, cool. Where's he from? I don't know. He, he seems like he knows the J.M. Casey. Oh, Malkovich. Close, Mr. Malkovich, he knows him. <laughs> Josh Malkovich KCB. Yes. Um, Josh, Joshua KGB. Um, after last week's event, uh, Haley at Hales Noel wrote, uh, Such an honor to have my name mispronounced by MJ Bass. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Haley. Or Hallie. It might be Hallie. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm screwing Jeez. up. Jeez. Fuck. How do you smell it? I, I, will really say, I will say there, Haley, it doesn't make you special because he butchers literally. <laughs> how, how, does it, how do you spell it? H-A-L-E-Y. <laughs> I've known Haley. It's freaking Haley. I've yeah, known Haley. Be, if it was two L's, I, it would be Hallie. I yeah. bet she pronounces it Hallie. I bet she doesn't. Hit, hit us up and let us know. Um, the sassy atheist said... <laughs> Not that he'll be able to read it, so you might want to send a voice message. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the sassy atheist said, laugh too hard tonight. Thanks, guys. I needed it. Hashtag stab a bitch for some chips. <laughs> Hashtag something about ball sacks. <laughs> she didn't even bother trying. Thanks, Thanks sassy. Love it. Uh, Ann Williams said, uh, read. Oh, you were able to read the word, the name Ann. Good job. Uh, Annie. Ann Annie. It's like watching a monkey fuck a football. Oh, my gosh. Um, said highly unsuccessfully. Yeah. Just gonna. No, stop. Stop. You should see the football. Stop. Anna Williams said, uh, "Read, let your life speak" by Parker Palmer. Hashtag vocation. Hashtag the one thing. Hashtag to Jerusalem. Nice. Thank nice. you. I don't know if she said read or read. It's hard to... Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if she's telling us that we should read it or that she just read it. Good Lord. That's the English... That, that, that's not my fault. That's the English language. That's their fault. Um, she also said the daddies are fighting over just the tip. Hashtag something about ball sacks. <laughs> Hashtag Miyagi your ball sack. <laughs> that was a good hashtag. I yeah, liked that a lot. I was pretty fond of that. I one. laughed pretty hard when I re-listened to the episode. At Walker J. Marie, hashtag Texas Ranger, wrote, um, <laughs> uh, People, beauty of nature proves God is real. Scene, Michael shitting in a river. <laughs> <laughs> 
She said, uh, she also said, thanks for my hashtag, uh, new BFF Josh, but hashtag because Incubus. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty happy about that. Yeah. Uh, Becky Seville wrote, OMG, I need that toddler F-bomb video so I can play it when I need a good laugh. Yeah, it's good stuff. Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That was funny. Hashtag Miyagi, my ball sack. Don't say that word! <laughs> Fuck! Mike Morton uh, wrote, I love Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> this fucking There's name no. is Mike Morton. Well, you said Morton. Morton. M-O-R-E-T-O-N. Morton. 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 More ton, more power. I can't anymore. <laughs> I can't do it more anymore. More of you in my life. In <laughs> 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 my wish of you. All right. More My heart. Um, Peter Thurley, I guess I was meant to write one of his mm. comments last week, and I, I said that I quoted him. <laughs> and the poor guy listened to the whole, whole episode, and I totally didn't talk about him on the episode. Good I thought job, I did. dumbass. Yeah, so uh, he said, Did you? I didn't hear you mention me. Am I deaf? <laughs> he also said, It's really hard to pick your battles about the, the episode. Um, and then he said, Michael, MJ Basinger equals uh, Charlie Day. I think that's the guy from, um, what is he from? The one the with Danny DeVito in it? Oh, the one Danny DeVito movie? No, yeah, the, sure. the TV show. Uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, always Sunny, yeah. It's, it's a good show, I'm Charlie Day. I'm not watch it. I need to watch it. I hear it's pretty funny. I've watched a few episodes. I watched a few. It's pretty good. Uh, Callie said, ready to take on my thing uh now to find it hashtag miyagi my balls you <laughs> got the sack right out of there yep uh ian irving at batman <laughs> oh, Billet god said rude podcast don't work on windows 95 so a guy cycles into town every week with a cassette of the episode <laughs> that's how it works in in, uh, in Carrick, fergus northern ireland yeah um Ray said, uh, not just MASH, don't forget about uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. That was a great show. I don't know. I'm surprised you guys knew that. I did. You didn't watch WKRP. Yes, you did. Bullshit. No, I absolutely did. It was on uh, WGN growing up. Yeah, I remember it being on WGN, but I also remember not getting it at all. Yeah, I get it. I know, but it's not like we He must have watched it. Well, I didn't understand. It's not like we really ingested what was happening. Well, I watched Cheers and didn't ingest that. Night Court was the best. Night Court was fucking at me. Golden Girls. Why is Night Court not on Netflix? I don't know. Like, you can't find Night Court anywhere. We used to love that show. I've been rewatching Seinfeld. Um, there's some like misogynist crap in there, no, some I mean, racist stuff. It's like, I mean, it's still very, very funny, but it's yeah, it doesn't does not quite as funny, isn't it, Michael? No, not <laughs> fuck you, not that part of it. He I mean, was on board a... when Michael Richards went nuts and like went totally <clears throat> yeah. racist in his stand-up comedy routine a few years ago. Yeah, not on board for that. When he screamed the n-word about eighteen times. Yeah, Michael that... was in the audience laughing. No, that wasn't me. <clears throat> I do not support racism of any kind. 
Only when, Including it, comes, only when it comes from Kramer. Oh, only when it comes from Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> no, just kidding. I don't even think Jerry Seinfeld would be cool with No, I'm like sure, that. you know, like I said, people grow. I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Times change, people grow. Uh, Eugenie Bauman wrote, uh, I really wish I didn't take... I really wish I didn't take posting horrible, um, great hashtags like hashtag Miyagi my ball sack <laughs> as a personal dare. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. We love it. So, and then Eric and Becca at Real Eric Kelly. Let's just break that down for a second real quick. Oh, so, no, just, just it says, read it. It says Real Eric Kelly, but the name is Eric and Becca. Who am I talking to? Am I talking to the Real Eric Kelly? Just freaking read that. Or Eric man. and Becca. Will the real Eric Kelly please stand up? At MJ Basinger. Just, yeah. He said, my kids don't understand uh, why I almost end peed my pants uh, watching Karate Kid. <laughs> so. um, now it's time for uh, superhero names. So we gave people the, the oh, idea of giving me a superhero you, name. You like to keep yourself last yeah. Week. So Zachary Dinsmore uh, goes with the obvious choice. Hashtag the great whale mouth. <laughs> um, that's strong I like that uh, Brad Lisak wrote uh, Aquadump Man <laughs> yeah. Tony, Tony he just ba- walks around shitting water all day long yeah man <laughs> in water it's like a, it's like a submarine I just drop bombs man blow up blow up subs you sunk my battleship <laughs> Just read them, just read them, please. <laughs> uh, Tony Bedora said the shocker. Oh uh, God! Oh no! Um, <laughs> Rustin Klafka um, said he's new in the pub, by the way. Yes, he, is. he said um, I'm singing his arrival. I am the electrocutioner. <laughs> Beware, criminals! Judgment is mine. And then Ian got into it. He said oh, uh, no. he had four tweets about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, not surprised. Uh, he said, Master Master Blasfer. <laughs> um, keep, it, keep it local with the Indian Annihilator. <laughs> nice. Uh, That's nice. Um, superhero name, Exxon Mobile Man. Get some corporate sponsorship. <laughs> it's practical. Yeah, it said bit capes aren't cheap. Um <laughs> And then heresy man, in the midst of battle, this will sound like Harry Seaman. <laughs> you know, God bless the island of Ireland. Just, I mean, really, just wonderful people. Slowly creeping his way up to number one Irishman in our so list. So good. Oh, so good. Um, some older episode callback. Sandra Tur- and Turnball said making dinner had to put the knife down. Um, thanks to the new chip-based anger management tool. Hashtag Doug the Space Expert. <laughs> um, she also said, oh, I can't breathe. Coffee through my nose for breakfast. Hashtag Pussy Pop. <laughs> Hashtag how many licks to the center. Dude, I haven't laughed that hard in a long, <laughs> it's been a long, long time. time. Yeah. She also said that found the hashtag insertion point um, <laughs> to be uh, a brilliant conversation with Hillary McBride. Yes. They were gobsmacked. It was awesome. Um, and then Huff the Magic Dragon uh, thanked Nick and Andrea for uh, oh, sharing yeah. their story. Hashtag yeah. pulling the goalie. Yeah. That was our best episode because Brad wasn't there. was <laughs> a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. That's good, Michael. You're welcome. Uh, and then uh, Ian finally uh, listened to the 
No, he said, speaking of rage, I just listened to episode 14, hashtag Matt hates old people. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, that's right. Flipped off an old lady. <clears throat> or got Matt yelled at an old lady. Yeah. And then this next one is the idea how to close the show. So uh, Huff the Magic Dragon said, please just play the theme song instead of Dib of the Week. The audio transition will become perfect. Uh-huh. Closing equals the end. Yeah, we're going to do hashtags. Hashtags. So closing time, rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. You'll get it literally dozens of minutes before everyone else. Um, check out our website, gloriouspastards.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash pastordspodcast. You can get in the pub. You can buy us a round of beers. Yeah. You can hang out with us sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for hashtags? We got quite a few. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got a few. <clears throat> Hashtag kiss him on the beard. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Hashtag Michael steals hymnals. <laughs> Hashtag thieving dead grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That's pretty good, actually. Hashtag sweaty and flaccid. <laughs> nope. Yeah, nope. See, you say nope. I'm pretty sure that's a yep for me. Nope. Uh. <laughs> Hashtag there's an episode of Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get this one out. Hashtag oh, gosh. Matt's anal microbes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gross. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag pastor's distraction. And uh, this might be the winner. Hashtag you should see the football. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good. Hashtag, I've got hashtag kiss him on the jaw. Uh, hashtag my dad's anus. <laughs> hashtag unboil that egg. Uh, from the interview, hashtag Imago Trey. Yep. Uh, hashtag obsessed Deuteronomist. Uh, hashtag the secret knock. <laughs> hashtag more ton. <laughs> more ton, more power. And hashtag. A <laughs> poor guy. And uh, hashtag Michael sunk my battleship. Um, I like that one too. I got hashtag Hindles in your house. Hashtag killer vox. Hashtag uh, microbe Matt. Hashtag anal microbes. Hashtag no prehistory. And hashtag I'm not good, Trey. What was your last one? Uh, you should see the football. That's, the one. That's my vote, man. All right. Let's let's do hashtag you should see the football. You should see my football. Yeah. You or should, the football. No, it's the, the you football. Should, you should see the football. Yeah. Hashtag the football. Hashtag you yeah. see the football. All right. Um, with that, you can hit us up on social media. Um, let's go ahead and play the music, because why not? Um, we got plenty of music to play. Yeah. Um, hit us up on Twitter at Pastor's Podcast. Uh, I'm sort of at Matt Potter at Polly Matt. Are you? You're always doing and your brother does. No, oh I'm kind gosh. of in there. So I'm still on Twitter, just not often. So. Yeah. He I remember like he totally does. By the way, I remember when uh, oh, he followed. He followed little uh, brother. I know, little ah. brother. Wherever I go, he got the same job. Job. I remember having a conversation with Brad about um, when he got the iPhone. He was like, 
I give it two weeks and Matt will have an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, like a week later. When did you get your first iPhone? I don't remember. He had one. Okay, then you both can shut the fuck up because you don't know when I got mine. <laughs> yeah, we do. We the got fact, the email. The fact that he's getting so defensive tells you that we're right. I love well, it. Well, shit. That's, That's all right. We're out of music. We can play it again. He's, he, yeah. <laughs> we'll just go ahead. <laughs> um... Probably should work on the ending. Yeah, we'll tighten it up a little bit. I didn't think we'd get talking about Matt and iPhones. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I Shit, know. I lost my place. Uh, so hit us up social media with the hashtag. You, sh- you should see the football. Um, also on Facebook, Pastors, uh, Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Um, we don't really interact that much there unless it's in the, the DM. We try to post things, but... That's where we're at. Yep. You guys, anything else you guys got? That's it. See you guys Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Drive safe. Yep.